0: Hey y'all, before we get started, I would like to apologize for the quality of my audio recording. When Tony and I record, we always go through a four-point checklist. Well, this time, I only did three of the four points, and as a result, it's just not as good as what it usually is. Now, some of you may not even notice, as this is typically background noise for while you mow the yard or try to go to sleep, but if you do happen to notice, that is why. As much as I try to blame this on Tony, I I couldn't do it. So, Vanessa, come on in here. Let's start the show.
1: Hey, y'all. It's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And you better have a Moon Pie and RC ready because this one is jam-packed. The guys will talk about their virtual gaming experience with King's Dilemma and Undaunted Normandy. They give their thoughts on the Golden Geek Awards, Donna joins Tony for a review of Nova Luna, and Marty and Tony finally agree on a TV show. You did warn them about how you messed up your recording, right?
0: Yes.
2: Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 198.2 from 200 king of pain. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And Marty, we are in week I don't care right now on this stupid quarantine.
0: <laughs> okay. L- legit straight up. We were, let's see. Uh, so today we're recording this on Mother's Day. And uh, we did the thing where I got with my mom and she set up all these chairs outside in their backyard. So we just sat outside and somebody said, what week are we on? And we all looked at each other going, I don't know, is it Four? Is it six? I have no clue how long we've been in this situation at this point.
2: I don't either. I have no clue. Now, that's great that you have to see your mom. I saw my mom, sort of, because she is in a, um, she's not in assisted living, but she has a home in an assisted living community. And there are barricades up. You are allowed, you're allowed to drive into the facility. You have to go through a checkpoint, Charlie check. Uh, um, and then you go around the corner and she's sitting in the car. If I want to get out of the car to give her something, which I, we bought, took her flowers and we took her, um, uh, my aunt cooked up a m- lunch for her today, a very nice lunch, which made it to her. Luckily it was a big old piece of ribeye. Oh God. It was good. Right off oh, the grill. Geez. Oh, it smelled up the car. Oh, cause I was visiting them. And maintaining the six feet social distance.
0: Okay, do, we don't have to clarify that. I'm, I'm so sick and tired. If everybody says I saw somebody, that they must say, and I maintained six feet and I wore a mask. Let's just assume everybody's doing the right thing and not put caveats behind it. Is that
2: okay? I'll readdress that in a second.
0: <laughs> okay. But you,
2: and so they the helpers come. They get this. They I have to put on the gloves. I put on my mask. They get the stuff from me and they put it in my mother's car wearing their gloves and masks. She cannot get out of the car. If she gets out of the car, I can't get out of the car. It's one of their rules. They, they have a, you know, North Carolina is loosening up the rules, that facility, because they do not trust that it's the right time. They've shrunk the rules.
1: Well,
0: I mean, it's because those people in that, in those homes or uh, living area are potentially high risk people. And they should be under stricter guidelines than
2: you and me. Okay. And to go back to what you said, that you assumed that when I came home, we needed to pick up some stuff because we're going to beach, which is now open. But once again, like you said, you're going to do that. Here we go. Yeah, do that. But anyway, when I was at the grocery store, I was one of the few people of the 20 plus people in there wearing a mask. I would say it was less than 20%. Mm, okay. All right. So to say, let's assume, I think we are better off assuming that people are not doing it.
0: Okay. I, I concur that not a lot of people wear the mask. I will say most people are doing very good about keeping distance from mm-hmm, other people. Mm-hmm. You can see people kind of making wide, you know, angle turns around others not to get too close or anything like that. And it's it's just now it's kind of being polite, right? Mm-hmm. If you and somebody are getting ready to go down the same aisle, you know, I'll step back and let them go first, then I'll follow in behind, you know, that sort of thing. I think people are being very conscious of stuff like that. I agree with you about the mask, but I think as far as the social distancing, because that, that was the part with that trick when you said, and I maintain my social distance, and it's like, well, again most people are.
2: Yes, I agree with that. Now, before we get into our first topic, I do want to This is not our first topic. Well, um, we have we actually have show notes for those of you who have been listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names for a while. Uh that's unusual, but I will I do want to comment the homeschooling has gotten a lot better. We've gone from a clock and just an alphabet poster. We now have books. We have the date of the week, the current month. It's good to see that Vanessa is keeping me. Like we said, we don't know what week we're in, but I do know based on what Vanessa has posted back there, we are current month of May. And I can see that's a pretty state poster back there. We, I am just being educated by all of our new recording.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So, we kind of went over this last time. (laughs) Vanessa has now... Okay, so there's like... Vanessa has taken
2: over your studio.
0: So, now there's a box of Crayola 64 right here. And yes, Tony, what does the 64 box have on it? Oh, it has a sharpener. A sharpener is still on the back of the box. All right. (laughs) That did not change from our childhood. I was so excited when I got the big box of crayons because it's like, yes, yes. It has the sharpener built in it has it. And I felt like I was cool and
2: everything. Mm-hmm. But yes, she has taken over the office. This is, it's good. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> which is why I'm now going to relinquish this space to her. <laughs> and I'm actually going to redo the original space where I used to record, uh, which was a different place in the house. And I moved up here, uh, gosh, several years ago because it was just quieter. But now with less people in the house... I can probably go back down there. I'm going to give her this space because once the virtual school is over, she wants to have a craft room. She is... During the uh, COVID-19 time, she has gotten into crocheting. And right... Oh! Oh, this, and, is that a topic in just a second? Oh, yeah. And she, now it is. Okay. Okay. I'll roll right back to it. Don't let me forget. So Vanessa is making a COVID-19 quilted blanket.
2: Yes. You mentioned that previously. Yes.
0: Yes. So so she is in the process of doing it. So she wants to convert this to a craft room. So I'm in the process of modifying uh, the office downstairs to become not only a place I record the podcast, but in order to do some, some live streams, we're going to talk about a live stream that we did. in a second, but to make that space look better and put some sound dampening in there and stuff like that. So I'm in the process of throwing away things and cleaning up stuff and everything like that. Which brings me to something that that I did want to mention is I was cleaning up stuff. I I was finding all these old pictures and everything. I found a picture of uh, our two kids Adam and Rebecca when they were about two or three years Mm -hmm. old and uh, I found a picture of you and I together in the mid-90s when we got our PE Mm, I know Mm -hmm. a professional engineer's license Uh, we took the test at the same time we both received it and went to the awards banquet and got it together that night um but the most interesting thing was I found a laminated piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Piece, and I thought, wow, what, what is this? And I started looking at it, and it was a list of 151 Pokemon.
2: The originals.
0: Along with a graph of saying, you know, strengths and weaknesses of all the Pokemon, and their different types, and which Pokemon are included in the red version, which is in the blue version. So that was our original fact. Before the internet was pervasive, we could easily find stuff that you and I used when we played the original Pokemon back in the late '80s, the blue and red version.
2: Oh, mm, uh, I think I remember that sheet. It was very helpful to help me because you know it's, it's something different. It was it was groundbreaking, you know. It was rock paper scissors, but we yes. didn't really think about it like that.
0: You know, it's like the uh, it was the um, the uh, the Big Bang Theory, right? It added a lot more in there. Rock paper scissors, lizard Spock, something Spock. But except in this, you know, it's water, grass, fire, rock, magic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> dark. You know, they added a bunch of them. And, you, and so there's this whole table of like, if you're going to a fight against a gym later and this is his strength, this is the type of Pokemon that you want to take with you. But I used that extensively. It had all the technical machines listed mm. and the hidden machines listed that you can apply and remove from some of the Pokemon. We just geeked out over that game. And again, this was the time where I just couldn't sit down and go Google you know, where do I find this particular Pokemon? No, we we found this helpful sheet somewhere, printed it out, and had it laminated, and it was my reference chart. And I thought... This is going to bring back a good memory someday. And over 20 years later, it did.
2: Hey, see? Something we created. It was there. Wow. I can't believe the internet. Gamefacts.com. All that. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't around,
0: GameFacts dot Gamefacts.com. That's right. That was the place we always went to. Mm -hmm. I forgot about
2: that. Yeah. And we get all those good written facts. Nothing quick YouTube video to go watch on how to beat the shrine in Breath of the Wild if I've been stuck. (laughs) Yeah. There was
0: no walkthrough video. It's mm-hmm. like it was written in text <laughs> that you had to go and try to kind of follow. And then people would do like ASCII mm-hmm. maps, ASCII text maps to try to t- explain to you what a map looks like in the game. Ah, uh, that's a good time. That's
2: what's good. So if she is doing crochet, so this popped up on my Facebook feed the other day. And I asked Donna if she was, Donna's in does knitting. She hasn't done it all, in a while though. But um, so if she's doing crochet, this popped up. Somebody had made little crochet bowls to hold pieces for Everdale. Okay. And they put the pattern out there. Okay. So if Vanessa is crocheting, I'm going to find that post again, get the pattern, send it over to her. And maybe when she's, if she runs out of ideas, I'm not saying, please do this. Maybe she can crochet up some really, they were really cool. You know? And I thought, wow, that is a neat idea right there. And they actually posted. I couldn't read a thing about the pattern. I knew nothing. I was like, Donna, does this? And she's like, I know nothing about this. I know knitting, purling and all that. I'm like, okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah, send, send it to her. It's one of those things I was asking her. I said, I, I said, I don't know anything about crocheting. I, I said, is it like you learn one stitch and then that's it. You can do anything. And when she, oh no, no, no. She says, there's all these different techniques you can do. I said, so is it analogous to like miniature painting? You know how, you know, when you start miniature painting, you just get a couple basic tricks mm-hmm. and you just keep adding things. She said, it's exactly like that. There's a YouTuber that she follows that teaches techniques and tricks and everything. So depending on the pattern, if you something, she said she would consider herself an advanced beginner right now, but send it over. Okay. And, uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what she can do with it. She loves doing, you know, little things like that. She's getting really good at it, but she's like following this person on YouTube that does crocheting tips or like a how to YouTube. And I went, Yeah, how, how many subs does that channel have? And she said, Hold on a second. 625,000. I went, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I I say a crocheting channel has almost three times as many subs as the biggest board game channel.
2: It's huge. Come on now. The knitting. What is it my mother-in-law goes to? Rivalry or something like that. And she has all these followers on her patterns that she's putting out or something. I don't know. And then my sister-in-law actually teaches knitting and crocheting at... Michael's, and that was her extra cash. And, you know, she's followed all over the place. I'm like, holy cow. I mean, I don't have the talent. I, there's no way. I mean, I could try it, but I'd, I'd get, I got a feeling I would just lose patience.
0: Yeah. S- same here. I think I'll stick with the miniature painting, but I just think it's really cool that there's this hobby, you know, it's like, I understand miniature painting and how. Over time, you get better and better, and that's I said. Oh, is the exact same way. You know, you start out really slow, and then you learn all these new patterns, new techniques, and everything. So, I think she is really into that right now. She's enjoying it. We go to Walmart. She's always buying new color. It's funny. You know, I go to Games Workshop uh, to go buy some new pots of paint. And she heads over to Walmart to buy some new. What do you call them of yarn? What's the thing of yarn called? Skein. Skein a skein of yarn. Mm-hmm. So
2: okay, well that's kind of neat. To, to look at it. You'll be wearing a crocheted sweater. Or maybe she'll make you a plaid crocheted shirt or something. I, I have no idea. So, but I will, I will say that, you know, we, we were talking about everybody's doing the mask. You're at Walmart, all that good stuff. I found it very interesting. One of the shows we watch on um, CBS. Go ahead and laugh.
0: I can't because now Vanessa's watching NCIS New Orleans, so I can't make fun of CBS shows. Okay.
2: Well, there's a new one called All Rise. And it's a very good show. Uh, all
0: right, it's uh, don't t- it's based on either lawyers or judges.
2: Yes, all of that. Okay, and it, so this show has their last show. They f- actually filmed it virtually. They were filming from their homes, and they were showing their various interactions through Zoom. It was so well done. I was amazed. At, I thought how is this going to be? You know, how, how bad is this going to be? And they did everything so well, how they had things set up, you know, some of these actors, actresses had like green rooms that they could put some uh, stuff behind them, I think, where instead of just hiding it, because you could see that it wasn't the zoom backdrops. And then there was actually a, um, I guess it was a Wife and husband who were doing a married couple with a situation, and he was in a prison. So that's why I was thinking, you know, it was a green screen behind him or something, but it was very well done. I was like, that's pretty ingenious that they went ahead and pushed that to the limits. Now, I don't know. Have you checked out any shows that have done that to end their season?
0: It was, that was the finale to end their season? Yeah,
2: that was their, that was the finale.
0: Wow. No, if, in fact, uh, one of the only shows that I f- still watch regularly is um supernatural this is their final season and they can't film the final three episodes so i don't think they're going to do anything like that because i mean this is a series finale so they want to make sure to do it right but i did catch a show that i used to watch years ago parks and rec they got that entire cast back together um and like it's the show ended gosh Five, six years ago, something like that. So, you know, it's 2020, and and they're dealing with what we're dealing with. But what they do is they all hook up every week to see how everybody's doing it. The episode was like they were in a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. They would pop in and say, hey, you know, Leslie's one of the main characters. Like, how you doing, Leslie? I'm doing fine, and such and such. And then let's bring in somebody else. And they would bring in the different characters and interact with them. Did a whole 30-minute comedy. Super well. Super well done. I'm surprised they got everybody back together like... Uh, I mean, I couldn't they actually got Chris Pratt. You know, he's a big-time movie star right now. Rob Lowe, they got him back in there to do it. So, anyway, uh, that that was really cool. And, and there was one other one. I saw a lot of people starting to do, like, charity events mm-hmm. uh, where they get online and, and do some stuff for charity, like famous people and stuff. Well, there was this show I watched, gosh, I don't know. I, I guess it start around 2007, 2008. It was a show called uh, Chuck. And they got the entire cast together for a episode reading. They did a survey, and it was like, which episode would you like us to read? And they got all the cast together and did like a Zoom call or whatever, and just basically read through the script, like a table reading for, for charity. And I, I watched that, and that was, that was really cool, too. But that's probably one of those shows that you... That was on NBC, so you probably never saw it or anything.
2: So, to be honest with you, I love Chuck.
0: I f- Wait a minute, stop.
2: Okay. So you love Chuck. I watched Chuck to the bitter end of the commercials and the subway. I watched it all the way through. I was part of that. I was like, I will go buy subway. I can't buy that car. They were advertising, but captain awesome. He is. Oh, I love that character. Yes. I enjoyed Chuck to the bitter end. And I, when you posted that link, I immediately went out there and watched it.
0: Okay. So for those who have listened to the show, You may know this, and if you haven't listened to the show, I'm going to tell you this right now. The Venn diagram of TV shows that both Tony and I like have a very, very small intersection teeny teeny it got just a tad bigger because i never would have thought tony you would like chuck because i thought you would have thought it was silly
2: no i didn't think it it, well first off it has something i enjoy spycraft okay yes so you know i thought that was uh, a neat part of it it had computers and i could understand the premise of jacking in you know from the matrix i like how they were playing that and i just enjoyed the characters i thought they were great i mean ellie Ellie was a great character. And of course, big Mike from the store, you know, <laughs> uh, Jeffster, Jeffster. Yes. The band Jeffster. <laughs> and I, so and I didn't realize this when we were going through that and, you know, they're introducing each other and I was like, okay, okay. And they made a comment about Superman. I'm like, Superman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yep. That's the guy who played Superman. Brandon Ruth.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yep. And uh, it's it's so funny. So I watched it from day one, mm-hmm. but I never finished the final season because I actually kind of lost a little interest in it. So my son, several years ago, started watching it in the summer. It's like, cool, I'm going to kind of watch it again and then saw the fifth season, how it ended, and loved it. So get this, last year, I we watched the entire series, seasons one through five, and I'm actually starting again right now. Okay. I'm halfway through season one. It is... It's a, I call that show a guilty pleasure for me. Mm. It just gives me the feels. It gives me the good feels. It's like I like these characters. And it ends on, the ending is gut-wrenching the way it ends, actually. It's like, it's a very emotional ending. It's one of the best endings of a TV show I think I've ever seen.
2: And I, I, I haven't seen it in so long. I don't remember it. I kind of, sort of think I remember it. But I I definitely will cannot quote anything from it.
0: It's on Amazon Prime.
2: If you have that. I do have Amazon Prime. I don't Mm -hmm. have Netflix because I don't have your password. Okay.
0: Did I say Netflix?
2: No, you said Prime. I
0: said Amazon Prime. That's where Chuck is right now. But
2: this is my obligatory where I always make the comment, (laughs) I don't have your Netflix password. Okay. Just validating that again.
0: Okay. Yeah. But I mean, and also,
2: I think I was watching Chuck because and then you told me to go watch Firefly because it had Mr. Baldwin in it.
0: That's right, and that's why I started watching Chuck because Adam Baldwin was in it. You said if
2: you yeah, if you like Alec Baldwin in this, you're going to lo- Adam Baldwin. Adam, I'm sorry, Adam Baldwin in this, you're going to love him in Firefly.
0: And that's pretty much right. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much kind of the same character, but
2: oh, he's such a good. And then when he then when he was in the last ship, I kept reliving his Firefly Chuck days. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Such a good show. Oh, yeah, oh. it
2: was. I I, re- I do. I when went Hallmark's on and Captain Awesome is in of those movies.
0: Oh, yeah. That's where he ended up. Well, so did the uh, actress who played Ellie. Ellie. Really? She, oh. Yeah, she showed up. Yeah, she's there, too.
2: Okay. Such a I good show. They keep
0: teasing potentially getting together for a movie. I think that would be cool. Instead of doing a season, just do a movie.
2: Okay. That's fine. It worked well for Firefly.
0: For, it did. It was one of those things that if you... If you go back and watch the finale of Chuck, you'll see how a movie could be done with it.
2: Ah, oh, okay. Good show. Good show. Now I'm going to have to go watch Chuck. Yep, if you will. Oh, no. That's fine.
0: Oh, but speaking of uh, virtual, about doing things uh, uh, virtually, you and I got to participate virtually in a, in a couple things recently. I don't know which one, which one you want to start with first.
2: Well, let's start with the one that... Is the reason for the name of the show, King of Pain. <laughs>
0: wow. Mark, I'm sorry. No, I'm uh, sorry.
1: No,
2: uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's let's be fair here. It's the King of Pain because we played King's Dilemma. Mark actually he he went out and got a copy of King's Dilemma. And for those of you who don't know, you know, King's Dilemma is a legacy style game. Yes. And the whole premise behind this, Marty, and keep me straight here, is you are all houses supporting the king. And during the campaign, you, the houses are deciding how to vote for events that are being drawn, which helps progress the story and puts various items in view, like a, uh, let's say a, a rich gold mine, or uh, maybe you're going to try to buy arms and help this other nation, or, and, all, and you are all, all are trying to adjust the voting. And when you vote, And depending if it's a yay or nay vote will determine the consequences and various uh, wealth or military power. I don't remember them all, but that will adjust on a track.
0: Well, I think the thing was is uh, with every game that you play, I I believe you've played the same faction, same house through the entire campaign. But every time you're going to have a secret agenda, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the agenda will drive kind of how things are, so there's this whole, uh, basically, you know, this graph of, of resources or stats, and it starts out right in the middle, and it's like a range, from like 1 to 15 or something like that, and it starts out in the middle, and depending on how votes go, uh, it'll, you know, you'll, you'll vote on an event and say, well, this may uh, make us lose wealth or make us gain wealth. And at the end of the game, based on your secret agenda, you're going to earn victory points based on where those cubes may be. You may have an agenda that says, I want very little wealth, but a lot of this other resource. So maybe have, I'll need this cube between 9 and 15, but this other cube can be below 9, I don't care. Where it might, that secret, that agenda for somebody else may be vice versa. So then you're, when you go to a vote, you don't know, well, are you voting to help your secret agenda or are you voting because you really feel this is the correct way to progress the story?
2: Well, the first pain was getting me on Discord. <laughs>
0: so, and it's so easy. You just you just click voice channel and you just drop it right in. It was a
2: major inconvenience. <laughs> it was not barely an inconvenience. This was a major. Yeah. So you click Discord. Oh, wait a second. It's corrupted. Now you got to go through and do this. Hey, Tony, are you seeing this live feed? No, there's no live feed. Oh, you need to go do an update. Oh, it's corrupted again. You got to redo, redo the whole stupid thing. I'm going oh, just shoot me now. Can Why can't we use Hangouts? Why can't we use Meet? What are we doing with this? Well, this is how we do it. It's such a great program. Yeah, it's a great program. It's sucking right now for me. And I finally got it to work after 30 minutes of messing with it. Yeah, that, that put that put a good Grumpy Tony <laughs> taste in my mouth right then. Oh, man.
0: And here's the thing. They, uh, Nate, who also played with us and Mark, absolutely love the game. Because they love games where there's a lot of voting and stuff like that, right? I mean, they talk about Thief. You know, they're, they're big fans of Thief. And here's the thing. I think it's a solid game, but it's one of those games, again, I want to sit at a table and play with somebody. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of social interaction going on and I would want to sit there and see people's eyes and look at them and look at their facial expressions and I want to see the board. You know, we're drawing these cards and there's these event cards and Mark's having to take a picture of the card and put it into Discord so we can see the card. It's like one that's again, it would be a much better experience. Uh, live than it, than it was online, and it's no, no disrespect for those who taught it, and it's no disrespect for the game itself. It's just the system itself is hard to play online because, as that one of all games is not a Euro cube pusher, it means to be played sitting with people and talking and laughing and arguing and
2: stuff. And you reading their body language and seeing what they're trying to do, it's very hard to read body language through a camera, you know, and seeing the um toys or whatever, some reading marks, board games behind his head. Uh, so yes. And, and then I wasn't really sure, I guess in our first play, how the victory points were going to work. And that's what you get. You have to deal with in all games, right?
0: Yeah. And, and at the very end, based on the victory points you get, you get uh, a couple of different t- types of points. One's prestige. And then there's another set of points. And that's kind of like your overall mm-hmm. goal is towards the end, the end of the campaign to have the most of those but I th- can't remember how many it plays. It's 12, 10 to 12 games before you finish, uh, the entire, yeah. uh, game. But again, it's a legacies type game, uh, where, and, uh, they played again last week. <laughs> they, uh, basically got another couple in there to sit. And uh, play, because you and I were not available. We'll talk about why in a second. But they said they had a really good time and kept moving on. So I hope hope they get a chance to finish it. And I hope I get a chance to play again in person.
2: Yeah, me too. And there was one aspect of the game that I did think was neat. And that was the fact that when you're voting, the voting ends when you come back to the leader. And the leader can actually shift. So it's not like everybody gets a turn. So the, right. So that is a... Mechanic that you have to pay attention because if suddenly you're the leader and you're and you're hoping that voting is going a certain way and then someone else becomes the leader, more people may be able to get to vote, which can change how things end up. And I and th- I thought that was very interesting. I enjoyed that aspect of the game. So, yeah, I, I'd like to play it again but I'm with you. I mean, we had we did have fun online. Well, let's let's be yes, honest. We did. we did. Anytime we get together, we have fun. And let's face facts. We haven't been able to sit down at a table and so this was like, "Hey, let's see how this works." But I do think we lost a lot of the game from not being in person, not arguing with one another and trying to convince us how to I guess maybe the suspense was also lost and
0: and the game was probably twice as long as what it normally would have been because again Mark's having to take pictures mm-hmm. of cards and share the picture online and stuff like that, and you know there's everybody's flipping back and forth between spreadsheets they had these set of spreadsheets that you could use for tracking and everything like that, so it, it, it was everywhere. everything would be on the board, everybody just look at it instead of flipping back and forth between screens and stuff. So anyway, it was just virtually, it was it was tough. But uh, actually, we had two other virtual I had two other virtual experiences, and one was with you because the night that they played King's Dilemma again, you and I decided to, hey, let's try streaming you and I playing Undaunted Normandy.
2: Which is the second reason why the name of the episode is King of Pain.
0: Oh. I didn't know this. Yep. <laughs> well,
2: once again, old men in technology, we have crossed that barrier. We have gone into that realm where, okay, well, Marty's got this all worked out. I don't really need to get online with a whole lot of time. This should work out fabulously. He's got the cameras. He knows what he's doing. He's got this thing figured out. All I got to do is get in a Zoom meeting. He'll make me pop up. I look pretty. Life is good. The cameras will be happening. The audio's right there. I've got my little home studio set up with lights so I don't look all shadowed and stuff. I get on there at 845. We're supposed to start at 9. And Marty... What happens? Yeah, we couldn't get your video feed to work. <laughs> Not that there was a loss in that, but still.
0: Uh, so, yeah, we struggled with that for a while. Eventually, we just put up a picture of Grumpy Tony, so we didn't have his video feed. And uh, it's out there on YouTube right now, if anybody wants to go see it. It was basically called, uh, what we call it? uh learn how to play sort of no. well,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> undaunted normandy and we just played the very first scenario we used tabletop simulator uh, there's a model in there where we got to play we played the first scenario and what was so cool tony is we had one of the designers dave thompson in the chat with us keeping us straight but it was really cool seeing him interact with everybody that was there and I, everybody had a really good time talking to him he was giving us some background info about the game so it was it was a good time we played for about took about an hour hour and 15 minutes and because we screwed up a rule that would have actually finished earlier. <laughs> and Dave was too nice. He didn't stop us till after it was over. And he said, by the way, when you took a control point, it, this actually would have happened. And it would have actually cause
2: me to win the game earlier. So it went longer than what it should have. Yes, it did. Because you were, you almost got a table flip because you, you were dragging it out. I'm like, come on. You know you got this one. All you need to do is just do this. And it's kind of like one of those things where I could have just moved my guy out and said, okay, Marty, you won. You know, resign. Because you're, the dice were being very kind to you. And you were, you were, you were, you were taking shots at my guys, taking out my platoon. Uh, I did not have any riflemen in platoon B. And I was just like, this game. That is one thing I will say about that game. Undaunted, if you get, where you lose the ability to take control of your objectives, especially in certain scenarios... As you call it, if you get pinned down, you automatically lose because you can't do anything. That's smart. Right. But if you get behind the eight ball like that, then you're just basically ducking for cover. That's that's what you're doing. Run, i mean, sorry. Ducking and running for cover. That's the expression.
0: But anyway, we had a, we had a fabulous time. Thanks for those who came and uh, watched and everything. Tony and I have talked about possibly we, uh, he's going to go away for about a week or so. Vacation, but after he gets back, we may try scenario two. Dave and Trevor Benjamin, the other designer, has done a great job of this game with as the scenarios go, it adds more units, adds more variability where each side becomes more asymmetric in how they play. He's been talking to us about the new undaunted Northern Africa that's coming out. And they said there's going to be a tabletop mod for that. And we may get a chance, Tony, you and I, to see that and see that new version. So I can't wait to see how that new version plays, which I think he said that night, he said adds tanks. Is that right?
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got some tanks, got a little um, heavy armor going on there. And you're going to have to deal with Rommel. You're going to deal with the Sly Fox out there. We'll see if Rommel's in the game as well as the supply chain. It'll be interesting to see how he does that because that was one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, the Germans were not able to get their supply chain. And having to deal with supply chain in today's world, I can see that. <laughs> Holy cow. That, is but that
0: was a lot of fun. And I played in one other virtual game, Tommy. So uh, Friday night, Vanessa and I got online with her brother in Mississippi. And we played Arkham Horror Third Edition, and we sat there for five hours playing that game, and we had an absolute blast playing it. It went so well. And I think one of the reasons why is we were not using virtual anything. Basically, our uh, brother Bob had a camera on the table with the board. I have a copy of the game, and I set up the board the exact same mm-hmm. way. He ran the game. So as pieces moved and cards were drawn, I basically got them out of the decks, and we had them on the table, and we moved the pieces around as need be, and basically just simulated what he was doing so we could see it. So we were physically rolling dice. We were able, each of us were able to read the card text as we needed to, as opposed to just one person doing it. It took a while, yes, it took a while to get set up and everything, but Vanessa and I had a fabulous experience playing that way. It it really worked well, so... If the idea of playing virtually on like tabletop simulator doesn't appeal to you, there are some clever ways of using a simple webcam to pull off some of these games. And even though you're not sitting at a table, so I was fortunate I got to sit together with Vanessa, which made it more of a personal thing. But being will play the actual physical game with somebody, at least online, Uh, Was a lot more enjoyable than trying to do it, you know, using Tabletop
2: Simulator. And I know he appreciated it because he posted a Facebook post. I'm friends with Bob. And I was like, oh, isn't that nice? I was wondering how long it took you.
0: Five hours. And in fact, Vanessa's like, Sight. She's like, Friday night, we're doing this again. We do another scenario. We played the expansion. I went, heck yes, we are. So we hope to do it again. That's awesome.
2: There you go. You just need to go ahead and get everything set up or just leave it set up.
0: Uh, I'll get everything set. Now that we know how to do it, we were unsure logistically who was going to do what. Each of us had roles to do, perform during the game to make it as smooth as possible. Now that we got that streamlined, it, it will go a lot quicker. So yeah, wow. We played King's Dilemma online. We played Undaunted Normandy online. We played, uh, I played uh, Arkham Horror third edition and actually, Tony, I got to play one other virtual game. So, uh, Niels from Funtail Games, the people who did Glenmore Chronicles, uh, contacted me and asked me if I wanted to play a new game that was coming out on Kickstarter uh, from Funtails called Feed the Kraken. This is a social deduction game.
2: Sign me up. Sign me up right now. Sign me up.
0: Before you turn everything off, this is a pirate themed game. Social deduction game. So maybe that could pull you in just a tad. Maybe just a little bit. Just on theme alone. Just, just let me tell you the premise, okay?
2: Let me Hold on, hold on. Let me let me just guess. I can be eliminated by walking the plank.
0: No, there's no walking the plank. But you might be fed to the Kraken, so it's very close to that. Okay. Or you could jump overboard. And I'm not kidding. That's two of the things you could do. So you had this nice ship on this board. And each of you are given hidden roles. We had eight people playing. Four people were sailors, three were pirates, one was a cult leader. The map is basically the sea, and on the uh, one side of the map is the blue area, the sailors area that you're trying to get the ship to. On the left side of the map is a red zone that the pirates are trying to get the ship to, and there's one spot in the middle the one cult leader is trying to get to. And what happens is, at the very beginning of the game, somebody's randomly chosen to be captain. And what they're going to do is they're going to pick two people to be on their team, kind of like resistance. I know you're not a big fan of resistance, but it's, it's kind of like that. In that, uh, one person to be the lieutenant, one person to be the navigator. And then you vote to see if you agree with that team. And you'll see why that would matter in a second. So look, if we have our team, everybody, uh, the, the captain will draw two cards. They're uh, cards that you'll use to move the ship. The card is either blue, yellow, or red which, if it's blue, it's going to move towards the blue, yellow move towards the yellow, red towards the red. Of those two cards, I put one in a box. Say I'm the captain. My lieutenant picks up two cards secretly, looks at them, discards one, puts one in the box. The navigator looks at the two cards, decides which one we're going to do, and discards the other, and then we move the ship. So now you can see from the social deduction, it's like, you know, the captain may have put in a blue card because, let's say, he really was a sailor, And the lieutenant, secretly a bad pirate, puts in a red card and maybe the navigator picks the red card and immediately casts suspicion. It's like, wait a minute, I'm the captain. I put in a blue card. Why didn't you pick the blue card? And it's like, no, I didn't see a blue card in there. So you see the whole social deduction thing happening, right? So over the course of the game, you're fighting over who's going to be what role in order to get these cards uh, played to navigate the ship to the correct port. By the end of the game, wherever the ship ends up, that team wins. Now, there's a lot of other little caveats and stuff going on. You have secret roles that you could always toss out. When you vote for the team, you have three guns that you can commit to a vote in order to uh, cause mutiny. And if you cause mutiny, a new captain will be chosen. But those guns are gone. So it's not like you can do that every time. They only replenish once per game, so you have to be careful when you vote for mutiny. So again, 100% social deduction, but the theme is really cool. And I think the theme ties well with what they're trying to do of there's this one ship and there's scoundrels on board trying to thwart your, he's thinking, he's pondering.
2: So uh, this is where I have a problem with social deduction games.
0: Okay, talk to me, man.
2: You talked about the captain, the navigator, and the lieutenant. And, and you put these cards in the box, and all of a sudden, so the red one goes up, and the captain immediately says, oh, I put a blue one in there. And the navigator goes, I didn't see a blue one in there. And the lieutenant goes, Well, I know I put a blue one in there. And so, and then you're going back and forth, and that's that's right there. That's that's why I don't like social deduction games.
0: And you know what, man? That happened in this game. Some people really love that part of the aspect of the game, of mm-hmm. the arguing and the, and the stuff. You, you don't. And we did fall into that. There was a lot of accusations. We would spend two or three minutes going, I didn't do that. You did that. You're lying. No, you're lying at the part where your daddy voice would come out and go, come on, people, let's just vote. Let's go, 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 go. I mean, I could see you right now as we were playing this game. I went, I thought, Tony will try this at least once <laughs> but, but, but will he play it again? I will say uh, we play with eight players and it works with up to 11 I believe personally, I think the sweet spot would be six because with eight players there was one or two people that never got to do anything. They never got picked to be on a team to do anything mm-hmm. and then they were just they tried to get involved but unless they're picked to look at a card or something like that, they just, nothing happened for them. I felt bad for them. So and then I started thinking, you know what? Maybe six will be better because there's a better chance of everybody getting to do something during a game. And then at that point, you'd have three sailors, two pirates, and one cult leader. The cult leader can do some really weird shenanigans where they can cast somebody to come over to their side without anybody else knowing it sort of deal like that. So, um, again, there's a lot of other little things, little rules in the game that make it really kind of cool. And like I said, you can feed somebody to a kraken throw them overboard, and feel them to a Kraken, and, and they're out of the game on the next to last turn. So they don't even get to vote anymore. Uh, so, and there's a mechanic where you might could look in somebody's bag and see exactly what role they are, et cetera. So anyway, that's going to be on Kickstarter coming out this September. They said it was actually ready to go now, but they said, you know what, it's probably not smart to release no. a big social deduction game on Kickstarter right now because it's like, everybody's going to be going, when will I get a chance to play that? So they delayed it until the fall. So I will be talking about it. I'll mention it again in the fall when it comes out. But uh, I enjoy my time playing it online, for sure.
2: Okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I'd be looking for the gun to see if I could turn it on myself. But you're right. I will play it once. <laughs> and that,
0: again, that is no disrespect mm, for the design. No. designers were in on this game. They, they did a fantastic job on it. That. That's no disrespect to them. It's just... I told Neil, as I said, I'll, I'll try to get Tony to play this, but he is not a big social deduction game person.
2: No, he's, mm, 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 yeah, mm. I'll, I'll be uh, one of those that I'd be like, yeah, let's, this game needs, that game is three minutes too long. And that was three minutes from the start. And I'm like, this, this thing needs to be over before, just. Yeah.
0: Check out what I found from this
2: Oh, yeah, you got googly eyes. I got googly eyes. Oh, yeah, you do. It makes you look smart, man. Now, speaking of making me look smart, um, a little bit later in the show, we have a special treat coming on. My wife is going to step up to the mic, and we are going to talk about a game from Stronghold called Nova Luna from U- Uwe Rosenberg. Now, ooh, ooh yeah. Uwe. Uwe. And now, Marty, you know Patchwork. I do. He took the same concepts of patchwork. And instead of making me try to fit these stupid little pieces onto a quilt, I'm now trying to get goals on cards and cover. It's not victory points this time, man. It's just complete X amount of goals. Be the first to do that. I was like, okay, this game has got me sold. So she's going to be on. Hopefully it won't be like our dice review of, I think it was drizzle or dizzle. Not drizzle, dizzle, where we went for 20 minutes. I'll try to keep her short and concise. I can't promise you anything, but she will be coming to the show and give Vanessa a break. But Yeah. Okay. Have fun with the googly eyes.
0: I was like, did you say something? I'm having too much fun over here.
2: Yeah. Well, you keep playing with your googly eyes because I've had new fun with my electric weed eater.
0: I need one of those.
2: Well, my gas powered weed eater. Circa 2008, the tubes from the gas tank up into the carburetor. I think that's where they go. As you can tell, I'm not a mechanic. But anyway, they've gotten so old, they crack. So guess what happens? No gas gets into the to the engine. So fire. All right. So I went on to uh, Sears to order a new gas tank. This part is no longer available.
0: Well, I would think not.
2: I'm like, well, this stinks. Well, let's see if I can. Fi-. Nope, nope, nope. No, I'm like, you mean to tell me I cannot buy a new gas tank with these, you know, tubes? You can go buy some rubber hoses and do all this. I'm like, I'm not going to. Okay, enough of this. I always pull, 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 try to get it to start, finally get it to start and all this stuff. I said, you know what? Let's go electric. So to Home Depot, I went because they have an electric weed eater that allows me to use my craftsman attachments. I was very excited about that. So I got my electric weed eater. But I will say one thing. So it says the same power as gas. No, it's not the same power. It can't chop my leg off like my gas one can. But that's OK. I'm enjoying my new weed eater. And that's it for the lawn topic for today. I know people have been waiting hold on, for it. Hold, hold yeah. on,
0: I need to buy one. Which one did you get? I got the Ryobi. OK. Because I'm actually looking for one right now. Well,
2: it, it depends. Now you don't have a yard small enough to use an electric mower. Okay. So you don't need to worry about getting a the battery packed. This is what floored me. The guy at Home Depot was beyond helpful. He he really did. He was he was very helpful. He was telling me because there were three different types of Ryobi's there that have different battery sizes. And he's he's showing me these. He says, "Let me show you something." He goes, "Look at how much the replacement battery costs." I said it's $150. He goes, yep. When that battery dies, you might as well go ahead and buy yourself a new weed eater. I was like, why, why? This makes no sense to me. He's like, it's just how it is. And I looked at the Eco, uh, the Greenworks at Lowe's. I looked at all the types of brands, but what sold me on that one was that it has interchangeable attachments. So I knew my craftsman attachments would fit into it. So I'm able to use my actual old head from my craftsman and also my edger. So I was like, well, this, this is an auto sale right here.
0: Yeah, I, I'm all about the electric right now, so I'm definitely looking to get one of those. And probably one of those things I want to make sure that for the same reason, I can eventually, when my leaf blower goes out, my gas leaf blower, I can get an electric one of those and use the same battery pack. So I'll look to mix and match those.
2: Yeah, and Lowe's actually had the ecosystem um, battery one that was the $300 with the blower and the weed eater. They had it $100 off recently.
0: Oh, I saw you. Is that why you put a poll on BGG about what's the uh, hardware store that you frequent most?
2: Yeah, because I was standing in Lowe's trying to make a decision, and there was nobody there. Nobody was helping me.
0: I'm surprised at the result. I thought it had been an even split between H- Lowe's and Home Depot, and Lowe's was ahead by a lot last time
2: I checked. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot of about where people are. And what's local to them? There's more Lowe's. It's kind of like, you know, there's a lot more Lowe's than there are Home Depot. Because if you think about it in our area, that's true.
0: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, let's go talk about uh, Nova Luna then or whatever that game
2: was that you and Don are going to talk about. While you're sitting around the house trying to figure out something to do, you're tired of eating your feelings, tired of exercising. Why don't you organize those board games? You heard me. Go to TheBrokenToken.com where you can pick up all types of accessories and inserts that will help you get your games ready to go. Hey, you're looking at yourself saying, you know, maybe I should go exercise. Well, maybe you should also bring that game up on your favorite game by putting an insert in there that you can quickly set it up. Head over to TheBrokenToken.com, check it out. They may definitely have something for you or they definitely have the Tokens of Appreciation membership. That's right. You can go over there for all the dollars you spend. It will pay you back. So be sure to check it out at thebrokentoken.com. So she hasn't been on in a long time, but due to this virus thing that's going around, hey, babe, did you know there's this virus thing going around?
1: Yeah, I heard something about that.
2: You did. Yeah. And I don't know, Bernie and I were just talking about on the show and how we are just, we've lost count. We don't know how long it's been going along, but unfortunately, I don't know if it's been a good thing for you or not. You've had to substitute and be part of my gaming group now. Okay. You're my only gaming group right now.
1: Not true. You're playing some games online. It's not the same. I don't have that face to face interaction. Well, you got lots of face to face with me.
2: That's right, I do. So, as we are at the house, she was kind enough to sit down and play a new game from Stronghold called Nova Luna by Uwe Rosenberg. And this is the same designer, just to remind you, from Patchwork. Do you remember Patchwork? I love that game. And why do you love that game?
1: It's very strategic. So, I, I like the strategy of it. I like the puzzle piece of it. And I like to kick your butt in it.
2: Yes. And why do you kick my butt in that game?
1: Because I'm much better at spatial relations than you are.
2: Yes. That game, me and spatial relations are not friends. We are, matter of fact, I don't even like to be in the same room with spatial relations. It's a bad person for me. So, yes patchwork even though i play it i do enjoy playing it though and collecting the buttons Mm
1: -hmm. you didn't have spatial relations in nova luna though so that might be why you beat me by one point
2: by one point well and actually nova luna one of the things about this is it's interesting the object of the game isn't about victory points which is something i always say in our games when i'm teaching them hey it's whoever wins the most victory points but in this one it is whoever can play their 20 disc First is the winner. So that is kind of unique in a game. Normally we don't encounter that like we normally, in all the other games I bring out on the table, right? No, you say the
1: same thing over and over again. It's all
2: about the most victory points. It's about how you get the most victory points. What's your strategy behind getting the most victory points? Well, in this game, Nova Luna, on your turn, and one of the nice features about this game is that Uwe put in the same type of concepts from Patchwork on this game for instance on your turn you are going to possibly refill the moon wheel that's what that thing in the center was remember that thing yes and all around that moon wheel are a bunch of colored tiles and on your turn you have the option to refill it if as long as there's only two or one or zero if there's zero you have to refill it moon tiles and that's kind of a strategy part of the game and then once you do that you can select a tile and move the marker. Now, you can only select a tile that is three tiles up to three tiles away. So you get one, two, or three. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Patchwork, same concept, same right? Same concept. Same easy concept. Advance your player disc. So you move your player disc on the inner part of the thing. And as long as you are still behind the other player, can you go again? Or even with. Or even with. Can you go again? Yes. So that's a concept from patchwork. Very
1: strategic, too. Very
2: str- Why is that?
1: Because sometimes you pick a tile that will keep you at or behind the person in front of you so that you can go twice. And I like that because then I get to, you know, place more disks.
2: That's right. You get to place more disks. You get to build out your ultimate goal with this. And we'll talk about how to get to the completed goals. But you're right. That's very strategic. It also can keep me – you can look over at my board and say, ooh – if I go again, no, you're You're better.
1: much better about that than okay. I am. I'm more focused on me and what can I be doing for me.
2: So I appreciate that. No wonder I won this one. You weren't looking at my board and saying, like in Patchwork, you would you go and say, ooh, uh, he could use that or he could use those buttons here?
1: And no, so, I don't do it there either.
2: Okay, fine. <laughs> you don't do that. All right. Then once you take that, you advance your player disk, then you place your tile down. And you determine if you've completed goals. On the tile, the tile has a certain color, but on that tile, there are goals. And those goals say, like, you need, there's two colored dots in a circle. That's a goal. And those dots are, like, how many tiles you can place around it. A tile is square, so it has four sides, right? Right. So if it has a, a red dot and an orange dot in that circle, then you need to have around it a red tile touching it and an orange tile touching it. Correct. Sometimes there's a goal on there that says, Hey, you know, you also need to have four reds. Also, you need to have a red goal, a goal that has a red and a blue. And you're like, Well, how can I do that? I got four sides on this thing, and that's saying I'm going to need, you know, up to six tiles touching it. It doesn't work. The math is not there because they have to be touching it. But there's a special rule that says if any of the tiles are strung together, then that counts. So you can have one red touching it and then two other tiles touching that red one or four reds, right? Correct. Okay. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, but you asked a brilliant rule question for me when we played this game.
1: And you had to go look it up.
2: I had to go look it up because I didn't have the answer. I could have made up an answer and you could have called it on you me. You tried to
1: make up an answer that worked against me. Well, that's
2: beside the point. I, you know, I'm trying to win. That's my goal. Just try to win this game. But... We th- we were like, well, do you ha- can you break up a set and count that? And the answer is yes. So if you if you needed four red,
1: I could have three on one side and one on the other.
2: And that's a big rule. That's a big chain. So you're putting down these tiles in front of you, trying to combo these colors and meet these goals and figure out ways to make it happen because there are challenges. Overall, it is it's not spatial relations.
1: No, no, it's not. What would you call it? It's sort of set building.
2: Okay. That's good. Right? I yeah. mean,
1: because you're having to match up what's on the card. And a lot of times it's to put three and four things together.
2: Mm-hmm. Capture the three reds, mm-hmm. figure out how to get them in there and not mess yourself up. Uh, another game that we've been playing online, Sagrada. Uh, and also, we have the physical. You know, it's about match, getting those colors and being able to put them in a certain place to achieve a goal.
1: I enjoy that game a lot too.
2: Yeah, Sagrada. Cigar- and now that I have it online, it's a lot easier to set up. So we enjoy playing that. But for Nova Luna, I mean, for me, I like this a lot more than Patchwork. Why? We've already mentioned this because it's spatial relations. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to deal with the spatial relations of it. I like this
1: is still puzzle-ish though, because yes. you're trying to figure out a way to put the pieces together that benefits you in getting to place your discs but doesn't lock you out because each of the tiles has, you know, anywhere from zero to four, I think, um,
2: three goals, three
1: goals, zero to three, um, goals on it. And there's no way to complete all of them on a card. I mean, there are some of the cards you can do that with if you're lucky. Um, but a lot of them, you can only get one or two of them because of the way you piece these things together. So, yeah, it takes a lot of forethought when yeah. you're placing them.
2: Because you're sitting there thinking, once I place this, how can I combo this? If I put this one here and this one here, I might need to be able to later lay one that can combo together by building those chains. You have to think through all that. There's a, there's a lot, For such a simple game, there's a lot of thought.
1: Involved. Well, and sometimes you're planning something out in your head, but when it's your turn, you have to take one tile regardless. Yes. Um, so sometimes the next three tiles are something that don't really work with what you were thinking you were going to do. So um, then you have to decide, okay, which tile works to my benefit and where can I put it without screwing everything else up?
2: Yes. And you have to place next to an existing tile. Yes. You don't have to put it next to one that you just placed previously because, heaven forbid, us. trying to No, you have to
1: build on to what you have. You can't just go willy-nilly out there.
2: But it's like, oh, I placed this one last turn. I now have to add to that one. No, you can place it anywhere as long as it's touching because could you imagine us trying to figure out which one we placed last time?
1: Oh, no, no. It wouldn't happen.
2: Now, two, we played, obviously, two-player because it's just you and I. Um, This game can go up to four. How do you think that would be?
1: Um, I'm interested to see. Okay, so well. I think we're going to try that this week.
2: I hope so. And we'll give a, I'll give feedback on a future show on that. Um, what other concepts about this game do you like? I mean, you get to play your and rights. You're my rolling right gal um, from that standpoint. And do you like this as much as your rolling rights?
1: Um, it's not about liking something more or less than other games. I mean, I like the variety. I like to do and rights because they're fast. They're easy. You can. They take nothing you can take them with you and play them in an airport there's you know um but I like these strategic games too and putting puzzles together and I consider this kind of a puzzle
2: yeah and it's all, and it's your board no one else is there that's see none it.
1: again it's my board i'm not paying attention to your board it's my board well, i have to do my board yeah, but if you were to pay attention Yeah, you to it. play cards the same way where you're kind of tracking what cards have been played, and I don't do that either because I just don't have the mindset for that.
2: You just want to play and have fun, right? I do. Okay. So this one, I think, from our time at the house is one that will hopefully hit the table again, which we have already stated, but I can hopefully push it. And say, here, let's play this, because it is. It is really easy to teach, and other than that one rule, I can't think of any other snafus we had with it. Because generally you and I have some snafus with games.
1: Well, sometimes you need a rules clarification on something, or I think of something that you usually have read in the rules and I wasn't paying attention. Oh, Really? You don't pay attention when I'm reading the rules? Oh, you drone
2: on. <laughs> yeah, I drone on. I mean, we've even put Rodney on the screen, and you, we've both fallen asleep when he's doing a <laughs> rule. That was hilarious. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with Rodney's videos, but uh, I forget what game that was. No, oh, he... Wonder Woman. It was Wonder Woman. We played Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that game,
2: though. I uh, know. It, it was uh, It was your pandemic game, but it was with Wonder Woman. You had to move cubes and remove cubes and things like that.
1: Pandemic. That's yeah. one of my all time favorites. Uh, yes. Until now, maybe. Well, yeah. we've talked about that.
2: This brings it to a different light. Pandemic is a different light. But Nova yeah, Luna, um, Stronghold Games. It's a game that we enjoy here in the McCree household, one that I hope to keep around.
1: I hope to play it again.
2: I do too. So you're still a captive audience for a couple more weeks at least. So that's definitely going to happen.
0: Tony, did you see that the BGG Gold Gig Awards were announced recently? No, I didn't,
2: Marty. I had to ask you about it, and you put a link in our show notes. Are you serious? You haven't gone and looked and see who the winners are? No, I went and looked, but I had not known they were announced. And I sent you a note and I said, you know, what would be a cool idea, Marty, if we kind of treat that like the Oscars where we're sitting around and do a reaction to the announcements and you go, well, they've been out for a while, fool. Oh,
0: <laughs> That's right. Hey, it's a good idea. Trying to remember it for next year. How about that?
2: Okay. I'll remember it for next year. And maybe when they do announce it, we'll be ready for it. And we can kind of play it up and have some fun with it. Now that you know how to get me on YouTube.
0: Now on the announcement thread, Tony, I don't know if you've ever seen this. There are 705 posts to this thread about the Golden Geek winners. I'm like, what is going on over here? The main part of the discussion is the fact that Wingspan pretty much swept many of the categories I think part of the problem is the some of the categories that it won, people are kind of scratching their head. Have you had a chance to look at see all the different places it won?
2: I did, and to be honest with you, that's one of those things where I was like, okay, maybe?
0: Let's just start right at the top here. Okay. The ones that, to me, make sense. Board Game of the Year. Absolutely no-brainer. This game came out of the gate hot, right? Everybody was playing it. Everybody was talking about it. It's been on the hotness list since the day it was released, And so it makes total sense that, as a People's Choice Award, which is what the BGG Awards are, it won Game of the Year. Respect, it deserved it, right?
2: I would agree. Yeah, I mean, it's been—I mean, you couldn't get the thing, so how do you know it was a good game? (laughs) And you still can't get the game.
0: It is—it's still kind of hard to get artwork presentation. Now, the artwork is very nice. Every card has a different bird on it. It looks—it looks great. You actually learn a lot about the birds and everything totally get why it won that. Also it won the best expansion for Wingspan European expansion, well when you got the hottest game and an expansion comes out, it's probably going to be a pretty popular expansion. Understand that one. Family Game. One of the big appeals of this game was the fact that it brought a lot of non-gamers to sit down and play it, and Tony, actually one of those is my mother-in-law. She loves birds. Ooh. And my brother in law, Bob, who I'd mentioned earlier, got a copy of Wingspan and actually got her to sit down and play it. And she really enjoyed
2: it. Oh, well, somebody got a copy. Well, that's good
0: to hear. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> he did. So all of those make total sense to me, mm-hmm. Tony. Ta- mm-hmm. And everybody that was posting were not bashing the game at all for winning a lot of these categories. They weren't bashing it in any way, but they were questioning the system. To where the game also won card game. Yes, there are cards in Wingspan. And Tony, I don't
2: believe you've played yet, right? I, I can't get a copy. So no, I haven't played and we haven't had a chance to play.
0: Well, this game does have cards, but it's also got a board. And it's got like uh, some little nice little egg tokens and everything. like it's, it's a full board game that happens to use cards. So people are scratching their head going, I, I don't understand. If this qualifies as a card game... Then, like, every board game that has a card game, which most do, should qualify. And the runner, and if you look at the runners up, you kind of see why. The runners up were the crew, 100% card game, and Marvel Champions, which is, except for a few tokens, just for tracking things, is also a card game. So that's the one where people are like, hmm, does that make any sense? And even personally, I was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have voted Wingspan for card game.
2: Okay. I (laughs) can't. See, I guess this whole thing dumbfound me from the standpoint that, you know, I've never seen on BGG what constitutes a category. So when I go and select the ones to put in the, you know, to to narrow the category down, there's nothing preventing me from selecting a game. And I
0: think that's what a lot of people are starting to suggest. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, Nasi even posted a video talking about the BGG Awards, and he was kind of making the same statements we are. By the way, we aren't saying anything new. No. This is pretty much what everybody's been talking about on the post and everything, and Nazi talked about it. And a lot of people are saying, maybe we should change the nomination process and say, okay, a game qualifies for this category and maybe not another. And maybe it says, you know what? For card game, Wingspan wouldn't have qualified, because if there's a game that's super popular, and people are playing a lot of Wingspan, you know what? They're going to throw it in every category they can, right? hmm hmm And I think that's kind of what happened here. Another one that people kind of questioned, too, was innovation. I, too, also questioned that one. Now, people start arguing, what does innovation mean? What would you... If somebody said, Tony, what makes the game innovative? What would you say?
2: For me, it is taking a tried-and-true mechanic and using it in a way that makes it better... Because I don't think there's a lot of new ideas out there. I think it's being able to take a mechanic that currently exists and applying it in a different fashion. That, to me, is innovative.
0: And we'll see. I would also throw in there a new mechanic.
2: I don't, I don't think there is any new mechanics.
0: Oh, uh, uh, You can't say that. I mean, it's just been, what, 10 years ago, deck building was a brand new mechanic. Who's to say tomorrow somebody else may not come up with something that's kind of like deck building. It's a brand new thing.
2: Okay, if you want to argue, like, f- sensible... Well, no,
0: no I, I mean, and I agree. Innovative is, is taking something and, and, and doing something brand new with it. I, I agree that that's this tried and true, but I think it also possibly could be something new. For example, uh, the runner-up of this was The Crew, which is innovative and in probably the way that your definition fits. Mm, okay, There's nothing new about this game it's because it's a trick-taking game. It's the way the trick-taking mechanic is used. And that now it's a fully co-op game, and the tricks must be properly played in order to win certain scenarios. I think that that matches your definition to a T. Mm-hmm. Take it something that's tried and true and do something different with
2: yes, it. Yes, I would agree.
0: I've played Wingspan, and I think what it does is take existing mechanics that people understand and love and use it very well in a thing that's very accessible. Okay. I didn't really see anything that was new or different about it. And if you go back and listen to, gosh, a little over a year ago when I played the game and on this show, that's the one thing I said about it. I said, it's a good little solid light Euro game, but I didn't see what made anything so innovative about it. Now, some people would say, well, innovative could be art. Innovative could be style. And that's why I asked you what your definition was, because I would think a lot of people would say innovation is something technically different, you know, a twist on something as opposed to art or style or something.
2: Once again, uh, what were you saying? No knock on the game. No knock on the designer. No knock on the publisher or anything like that. It's just...
0: <laughs> and and by the way, everybody must caveat that way too. Everybody was saying that this is no knock on... No, it's like the six feet thing. We haven't got to throw in every caveat. The game deserves the game of the year award. 100%. Totally agree with it.
2: Uh, I, can't, I can't agree with it. I haven't played it yet. I don't know if I made that clear yet.
0: Okay. I, I agree with it. Okay. Because I think it brought a lot of people into the hobby... And I think something that is so universally loved, like this game is, deserves Game of the Year.
2: So, by was it innovative that it brought new people into the hobby?
0: That's actually a, some people a point. A lot of people are making in the thread that you know what what makes it innovative is because because the people would have that have never played this game or wouldn't play a Euro game have played this one. Okay, and I gotta give some credence to that. You know, if if you went into it voting it like that, I could totally see why people would nominate it that way. But again, back to your point, maybe there needs to be a clear definition of what innovative means, right?
2: Yes. Well, how does it do this? How, what makes that? And, and it could be that maybe the way, you know, as the board gaming industry continues to grow or it may shrink now, well, who knows what's going to happen. Maybe that's where you take to the next level the awards and say, OK, we need to rethink these. We need to better define these instead of being so generic.
0: So it also won solo game because there's
2: a solo mode. Uh, I haven't discovered that on my own yet.
0: (laughs) And it's one of those things that people said who've played it solo see it is really good. But I don't know. Again, it's one of those things like, yeah, but it's not one of those games I would get to play solo. It just happens to have a solo variant. It's like I wouldn't, you know, there's a lot of games that have a solo mode, but you don't really buy it to play it that way. I don't know. That's one of those things, I guess I could take or leave, but it was kind of an odd one for me too. Now, I thought it was funny also that it won Family Game of the Year. Deserved. But it also won Strategy Game of the Year. And Tony, I think this is where people are going, well, again, maybe we should define strategy. And even the designer came out and said, you know what? Maybe there needs to be a certain weight. If a game has to be above this weight measured on BGG stats for it to be considered a strategy game, because the runners-up were Kaibo and Paladins of the West Kingdom, which both you and I have played. And those are more medium to heavyweight games. And that's what I would think would fall into the strategy category.
2: As I noodle on that some, but weight is determined by those of us in the BGG world. And therefore some knucklehead could shift the strategies down or enough. If you don't want something to, Oh, well, let's move this one down so it can then hit this. There's always ways to game the system.
0: And again, the designer, Elizabeth Har- Hargrave, came out and said a lot of this stuff too. Maybe we just need to clarify, you know, the category. She's been really cool about this. Uh, hope, hopefully nobody's attacking her. Again, on BGG, I haven't seen anybody attack the designer nor the publisher over this. I could be totally missing. I haven't read 700 posts, obviously, just kind of skimming. Most people are like, no, we at uh, this, is, it's a sweet game. We just question how these are done. And even she came out and said, you know what? And, and even, uh, Ignacy said this. Scott Alden maybe ought to say, all right, let's say there are some games that don't qualify for these particular categories in the future as opposed just to opening up every game for every category.
2: That'd be a major Chaz rewrite of software, because you know he'd he'd have to do something about that.
0: Yeah, that means somebody would have to sit down and clarify. It's a lot more work on their side because somebody would have to sit down and clarify what game deserves what. But while I'm staring at it though, hey, big congratulations to Dave Thompson and uh, Trevor Benjamin for winning War game of the year for Undaunted Normandy. Now I did see some whining about this because they said this isn't really a war game. People who are right really heavy war gamers said it should have been gone to a more heavy traditional war game. But to be fair, it's a People's Choice thing, and people aren't going to really vote for that. It's, they're going to vote for the one that they like that has a war theme. But kudos to Harold Buchanan, who is a friend of the show and a big time war gamer, who came out and said. Undaunted Normandy war game deserved it well done. So that was really classy of him.
2: That was. That's pretty good. But if to that point and made this point over in our guild, you know, Strike is a war game because there's they are gladiators in an arena, and that is war. So when the new strike gets out, it could be. You know I'm putting it on the war game list.
0: I would love to see Strike making it next year (laughs) in the war game category. All right, that's it. We need to do a campaign, Tony. If they open this up to everybody, I say we get as many people as possible to vote for Strike as War Game of the Year. You want to see BGG... Explode. Flip <laughs> out? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be so funny. Oh, we're such anarchists. That would be so good. Oh, I will say of all the awards, and again, it's a People's Choice Award, but Dice Tower just announced their award uh, nominees of the year... I gotta give you, give him credit, Tony. I think Dice Tower Award may be the award that is the is the best indicator of a game and how well it's done. Full disclosure, I am on mm-hmm. the group of over a hundred people that helps nominate and vote for the games, so I've seen this nomination process, and I've seen that when a game gets nominated, there's talk of like, "Well, this really isn't a card game. This really shouldn't go here." There is just talk among the people, it's like, well, you're right. Maybe this shouldn't be included. And because of that, it pairs down the nominations probably to more of what they should be. So, for example, in family games, sure enough, Wingspan is in there, as it should be. In solo games, you know what? It's in there, too. But in strategy games, it's not there. But you know what is? Colonia, Coloma, which I've never played, but Mark Pounds of the West Kingdom, City of the Big Shoulders, and Watergate. All those deserve to be in there.
2: Okay. Well, that's good. And I had forgotten you were part of the Dice Tower crew that does this. hmm
0: On Innovative Game, Detective, City of Angels, Mystery House, QE, Slide Quest, and you boot the board game, but not Wingspan. But Wingspan may have been discussed. And people said, well, you know what? Maybe these others make more sense when it comes to innovation. So that's why right now, personally, I think the Dice Tower awards will carry more weight. Oh, by the way. This is, Tony, obviously excluding the Squirrelies because we know mm-hmm. what the most important board game award is. But we have to recuse ourselves from the Squirrelies, right? right yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we know. So the runner-up best award, I would think, is obviously the Spiel des Aros, which is a big deal. But I think Dice Tower Awards is right up there with them.
2: And that's interesting that you say that because I'm a, along with Ignasi where, you know what? I really don't pay attention to the awards. I, it doesn't really matter to me.
0: No, but his big thing, too, with the awards was, if something wins an award, then publishers and distributors need to follow this and push the game. Yes. He said his issue was is that if my game wins the BGG award, I see no jump in sales. He said, I get nominated for the Spill of and I get a huge jump in sales. He said, because the publishers and designers over there, over in Europe, understand this means something. Let's push it. Hey, customers... Look, it was nominated. If we have it in stock. Come buy it. Mm. And he was really getting, I think, really on the U.S. distributors and retailers, saying you guys should be doing the same thing. You should be looking at these games that are won. Contact your customer base and going, hey, this game that just won the award is in
2: stock right now. Why don't you come buy it? And he's true. It's right. Once the store opens up and allows you to come in for retail purchase, because right now, guess what? <laughs> A lot of places you can't do that, or you can do curbside pickup. That's, that's what our local retail guy is doing. He's doing curbside pickup or delivery right now.
0: But our other two game stores are actually opening up the retail space
2: now. Oh, okay. Well, wear your mask. Stay six feet apart. Oh, here we go. Sorry.
0: So anyway, again, it comes to these awards. Nobody's really. We're not saying anything nobody else has said, but I think a lot of people are in agreement. It's like, you know what? Maybe in the future, BGG maybe needs to put a clamp on some of the categories. Ignazi had an interesting idea. I don't know if you watch his video. His idea was if a game wins game of the year, it eliminates it from every other category. Okay. So if, let's say this year, you know, Wingspan won game of the year, that means the strategy game of the year would have gone to the second place instead of Wingspan.
2: Mm, okay. So basically everybody gets a prize. No, he's just saying that if his game's going to win
0: game of the year with the current system, that a lot of people are going to vote for it to be tops in other categories, too. And this way, it gives other games to shine in a category.
2: Well, I am just being... Contari- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contrary, Not contrarian. Con- contrarian. Contrarian tonight. Okay, let's follow that logic through. Maybe I don't think it deserves best game of the year, but I do think it deserves strategy game of the year.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. So as a voter... You didn't give it game of the year, but you gave it strategy game. Exactly. I
2: see your point. I see your point. I mean, the only topic, the only thing that is true for my standpoint of eliminating things, just don't be touching the podcast thing because we may not get another nomination.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Just make sure that past winners cannot come back. Or we will never win.
2: Well, and as long as they say, as long as you have a mic and a channel, it's okay. You and I I can at least be sort of there, you know?
0: Well, well, that's really up to the audience to vote us in as a nominee, which they've done six years in a row. And we thank everybody so much who did that. But yes, Tony, eventually, when every other show has won and there's only one left, well... Somebody else can jump in and take it from us by just starting a podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they can. Oh, goodness. All right. So, BGG Awards, Big Stink. Yeah, okay. Same thing. Repeat, 2019, 2020. One game, Dominated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I got it.
0: Yeah, well, same thing happened with Gloomhaven. And guess what? Fosthaven will be out next year up for awards, so we may be talking about this again in 2021. first release in the Detective Signature series, Dig Deeper, is on pre-order right now. This is a game designed by Rob Davio. It takes place in the 70s, where the player's goal will be to solve the mysterious death of a local politician, Also, Ignacy just announced a PortalCon Online that will be happening for the English audience on July 10th and 11th. For some reason, Ignacy has asked us to be a part of this. We don't know what we're going to be doing. We may be handing out tickets online at the door. Who knows? But we will be there. So make sure to mark on your calendar July 10th and 11th for PortalCon Online. To find out more, go to
2: PortalGamesUS.com. Oh, okay. All right. So Marty, I'm I'm really tired of thinking. I just want to relax here, but uh-huh. I want to get on my iPad, get a little, um, iOS gaming in before I go hit the sack here, but I got to correct something from last episode.
0: Is it a retraction or a correction?
2: Whichever will you want to apply. It's a, re- I said something wrong, so it will be a correction, but it was not wrong when I said it because I didn't know. So if you don't know, how can it be wrong? I'm
0: very confused, but go ahead.
2: All right. So uh, last time I said on Sagrada that there are the tooltips. And one of my big knocks against it was you couldn't see what each of the tooltips did. You just had to remember when they showed you at the beginning. I didn't know if there was a way to bring it up. And you said, well, that's unusual for Dire Wolf. They're really good about that, right? So Donna and I have been playing a lot, and she suddenly somehow she decided to hold down the tooltip button and lo and behold up pops the tooltip oh and i'm like how'd you do that and she goes i just held it down and i'm like okay so the buttons above for the common goals all you gotta do is touch them but for the tooltip you gotta press and hold not intuitive but at least it's there. And so it makes the game that much more enjoyable for me. And um, I will say Tox and I are continuing to play our online games. So if anybody wants to play me in Sagrada for an easy win, that's D.A. McCree. Uh, well, that's the name, I guess. I don't know. You got to go some funky way to get user friends, something like that. But I'll be happy to take you on. He's consistently beating me. And it's just the way it goes. Most people do.
0: Just out of curiosity, since you've been doing that, I know a lot of people during this time have been jumping in and trying solo games. I mean, we talked about you know Wingspan has a solo variant, and there's there's a lot of them out there. But uh, Rodney will never tell us how to play them because we have to discover them on our own. But have you have you dug in or, or tried any solo games? I am
2: working on Dave Thompson's Pavlov's House. He's offered to go online and help teach me this game.
0: Is it a solo only game, or is it a solo variant?
2: It's a it's a it, you can play it solo. Or you can play uh, two people.
0: So there's... Uh, okay. Thank you. It's not a
2: variant. It's...
0: It's. it's, it's I'm sorry. You're, you're right. It supports one to two people. One to two people. people. So I'm yeah. looking
2: at... So I mean, I own multiple solo games. I own um, Nemo. Um, I own um, uh, Silent Hunter, Rommel. A lot of... Look at that. A lot of war games. Am I getting them out and playing them? <sighs> I think for me to get a solo game on the table to actually play, I mean, Gloomhaven solo, I really need to want to invest my time. Okay. And do I want to sit down and lay it out, remember the rules, play through it, possibly win and look up and hear crickets. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no one to help celebrate that victory or no one I can rub their face in the victory. Yes. And for me, from a solo gaming perspective, I would say, okay, it's kind of like you. I'm going to go, instead of playing online board games, I'm going to just go play a video game. Instead of me cranking out a solo game and setting it all up, getting the board out, getting it laid out, I'll just pick up my iPad and go through my eight games of Ascension that I currently have no time at all, I'm done. Or play a solo version on the iPad of, say, Sagrada against the computer. I know that's not solo, but eh, it kind of is. But that's just me. What about you?
0: So, you know, I have a lot of the card games, the LCGs, uh, and all the co-ops support solo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Arkham Horror, Marvel Champions. And I've tried each one of them solo, and, man, I just I don't get into it. Again, it's for the same reason that we talked about before. It's like, why don't I like playing virtually a virtual board game with somebody? It's because part of the experience of me playing a game isn't the game that we're playing. It's sitting at the table with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love Arkham, me just sitting there drawing cards and playing without talking about it with somebody is boring to me. Mm -hmm. Boring. I lose interest. I probably get rules wrong. I just follow through stuff. I don't strategically think about it. But let's say if you were sitting there at the table with me, you would go, Marty, you're an idiot. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's like, oh, should we do this? I mean, there's the whole banter and discussion around a game is what I miss. And even though I maybe solo is a great way to learn a game to play, to teach it. But I would never sit down and, and play a game by myself again. Probably like you. Just give me my Switch. I'll go in Hyrule and do some stuff in there.
2: Uh, It's not that I don't enjoy it. Like you were saying, like if, if the game is specific, like Silent Hunter, which is a submarine war game, you know, where I'm trying to, where the dice are manipulating what's going to happen and what strategies I need to do. Do I push it? Things like that. You know, I'm going to enjoy that. But from a standpoint of, getting it out, you know, I, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder also if it's not just an issue with me of my attention span. I already, you already make fun of my attention span.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's actually a good point. I'm kind of the same way too. If I don't have anybody to talk about or talk with about the game, I I lose interest. (laughs) It's like, I don't really want to do this anymore. It's not holding my attention. Yeah. It's
2: got a, 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 I, the whole theme is, it's interesting to me, you know, sinking warships or trying to defend one, a key allied po- or a Soviet position against the Germans. You know, I'm looking at it from that standpoint and I'm like, this is very interesting. There's a lot of history here. Oh, this is really cool. Uh, oh, let me go get something to drink. Hey, Donna, what you watching? Oh, really? Okay. What do I want to watch a show? I, uh, Okay. But but I'm trying. I really am trying to do that because because I did. I bought a lot of solo games knowing, planning for this. Okay, I had no idea this was coming. It was just simply that I wanted to definitely try them on that genre. I wanted to try the war games solo. I never thought, oh, let me play this solo. Or I really hoped that we would play Gloomhaven together, but I guess maybe I need to play that solo. And that's the reason why Gloomhaven's never hit the table.
0: It's interesting because one of the bigger guilds on BGG is one player guild. And the whole guild is built around basically solo play. So a lot of people like it. And again, we don't I have to do a lot of caveats today. No disrespect for those who love to play solo no. games. I think that's fantastic that you can sit down and play through a game and enjoy it. Personally, for me, it's just like, it just doesn't hold my attention because the thing that I love the most isn't what's sitting on the table. It's who I'm sitting at the table with. Mm. I need to make that a slogan, a t-shirt. Um, Emily Detmer, do something for us. She does our graphic design and artisty stuff for us.
2: I'm actually jealous of that, that those of people that can do that, to can play the solo and pull that enjoyment. And I'm, you know, like you said, you know, the, they have nothing again. No, I'm jealous of that. I wish I could do that. I wish my attention span would be there. I've tried it. I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. So from a solo, I I wish I had tried sooner and harder because maybe at this point I could actually be enjoying that row of games on my shelf that deserve it.
0: I know that you love Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. um, journeys in middle earth and it has a solo variant, but you probably haven't done it. Have you? No,
2: I haven't done it because I don't own the broken token organizer that will help me get it to the table faster. Okay, sorry. Had to throw that in there. <laughs> but no, I I want to. I have the app loaded. I've got it ready to go. I thought it'd be great. That's the reason why I traded for it because of the solo aspect of it, which brings me to all the way back to the beginning of the show. I posted out on our Slack channel that Gollum was reading The Hobbit. Did you catch any of that before they took it down? You mean
0: Andy Circus? Andy Circus,
2: yeah. He, he was raising money for, um, I believe it was the hospitals in London or in England, uh huh, in the United Kingdom. And he read The Hobbit from start to end for 12 hours. Did you catch any of it?
0: Uh, no, I did not.
2: It was, it was funny. I caught the part where Gandalf is telling them to
0: don't leave the path. So did he read it as Gollum or did he read it in his regular voice and did voice caricatures for the different characters?
2: He read it in his regular voice and then would occasionally throw in the voice characters. But I thought it was funny going back to um, the role playing episode we did where it was Don't Leave the Path. I said, hey, Look at this. It's all tied. Look at the galaxy.
0: Oh, the galaxy wrapped in on itself.
2: But yes, I would love to play the solo version of Journey. Yeah, so I'm the
0: same way. So hey, if you're out there and you enjoy solo games, help me get over the hump. Or is it just one of those things that's like, well, either you, either you like doing it or you don't. Because it's one of those things that y'all you know, love Arkham Horror, the card game. When I build a deck, it would make sense to pull out a scenario and play the deck to see if it works well. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to test a deck before I go and sit down with somebody. But I just, I can't motivate myself to do it. We need help. Yeah, we do, we do need help. Hey, speaking of help though, we might be able to help you because I don't know if you realize this. The BGG store, online store is now open again for business Woo-hoo! and RDTN is now an affiliate with the BGG store. And what does that mean? Thank
2: you for explaining it.
0: Well, not a lot for y'all, but it could mean something for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, because because we're now an affiliate I'm gonna, We're going to put a link in the show notes Oh crap And uh, if you go out there and you use that link And go out to the store And order some items 5% of what you buy uh, Will come back to us to help support the show Like a regular affiliate link It's no different than any other content creators out there That have affiliates and stuff but what we're going to be doing is, and we haven't set this up yet, but in the in the upcoming episode, we're going to be giving away some gift certificates to the BGG store. And this is supported by Scott Alden, who runs BGG. He set us up and he said, I want you guys to give away some gift certificates. So we're going to, Tony, you and I can work on how to do that in the future. So I give you an incentive to go out there and spend some money uh, using the gift certificates and pick up some good stuff. And and Tony, they have some amazing stuff out there. The bags that they have for Terra Mystica and Gaia Project are amazing. And they made organizing Gaia Project a piece of cake.
2: I enjoy my gamer trays. Uh, and I've talked about those. As a matter of fact, uh, in Nova Luna, I've got everything separated out with the gamer trays because there's enough room in the box. So anything that can help me. Uh, that's why we enjoy the Broken Token so much. Anything that helps me organize is Beneficial, Anything that can just help me play the game, I'm, of course, going to look at. And anything that can keep me warm, like a nice hoodie.
0: And, but they also have some upgraded tokens. Mm. They got all those nice tokens and everything for like Quacks of Quedlinburg and, and stuff like that, where they're the nice beads that replace the cardboard, which is really cool.
2: Robinson. Robinson's got some nice tokens.
0: Yes, they do. I bought the uh, BG, the geek sweatshirt, the purple sweatshirt that says geek. I, I wear it a lot, actually. You do? And people are like, does that say Geek? Yep.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: He
0: said, all right. And I said, that fits. So, yeah, it does. But they even, so they got some clothes and stuff out there. So they got a lot of stuff out there if you want to go check it out. Also, a company reached out to us, EWIN, E-W-I-N, that makes gaming chairs. And wanted us to evaluate one of their products. And uh, they sent us one of their gaming chairs to check out. I just got it. I have not had a chance to get it together or, or mess with it or anything, but... I'm going to be putting it together and sharing it online and everything. We'll be telling you about it. But if you're looking for a nice gaming chair, and these are super nice, you're probably seeing people playing these video games or sitting at their computer. I think these would be amazing sitting around a gaming table because they have high backs. If you go out to our webpage at RollDiceTakeNames.com, and you're going to see a little banner that says you can get 20% off your order by using code RDTM, Go check out their chairs. Get 20% off. Again, I'm going to be doing a review of the chair in an upcoming episode. Maybe probably a video for it, too. I would love to get, Tony, like six or eight of these sitting around the gaming table. Uh, that would just be luxury right there. It may take a while for me to, to be able to afford to get six to eight chairs, but uh, they're those kind of nice high-back comfy chairs that uh, you can sit hours in and your butt will feel nice and comfy.
2: You go, man, just make sure you, just a minimum two. One for you, one for me.
0: That's it. You're absolutely right. We can do that. One for you and one for me. And there's one other thing before we go. I think there's something we mentioned about the Broken Tokens, Token of Appreciation Program that they have where when you spend money, uh, you can get uh, rewards and everything. Bézier Games, who is a friend of the show, just started some new program called, and basically I'm promoting this because of the name. Join the Wolf Pack, they say. It's a Wolf Pack membership.
1: Woof, 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 woof.
0: Tony and I graduated from North Carolina State University, home of the Wolf Pack. So we were immediately uh, drawn to this. Uh, but basically, what it is, when you join the Wolf Pack, you get 10% off all their products, free shipping in the U.S., discounted international shipping, preferred pre-order processing, and you can get monthly specials.
2: Is that all? Is that all? I know that's a lot. That's my point, you know. Is that all? Yes, that's all. People, that's a lot. So Yeah,
0: that is a lot, especially when you look that the yearly fee is only $5. Oh, that's pretty good. 5 bucks. That's cheaper than what the cost of one shipment would be. Okay. So you're supporting Bezier Games, you get pref- preferential pre-order processing as they got some gu- and by the way, Tony uh, they've been teasing to us. Matt Ryan at Bezier said, we got some cool games. Here's some couple teasers. And it's like, oh, Matt, I want to know more about these. they got some cool games coming out. And so when they go on pre-order, you would get preferential treatment. You'd have it 10% off and shipped to you for free for just five bucks a year. Again, we'll put a link in our show notes to that. Again, Tony scribbles down what he needs to put links to. So uh, check that out
2: too. So one of the things that mesmerized me is the little symbol that they have here.
0: I don't know what that is either.
2: No, Well, it's four wolf heads, and they're in a circle. you got to focus on it, right?
0: Okay, I'm not focusing on it correctly at all. Because, Oh, I see it now! It's one of those type things where you have to look at it in a weird way before you see the image. Mm-hmm. L- I see it.
2: And, uh, you know, uh, Lupus Maxime established in uh, Rubidor. I don't know what that is, but I trust it's something. Hold on. We should look it up. Well, that just would. Yeah. What? Maybe they should discover it on their own. L U P O
0: S M A X I M E E S T N R O B O R E. It means
2: absolutely nothing. It's gibberish. <laughs> nothing comes up. Oh my god. Don't even worry about it. Just let's move on. Let's just keep rolling dice.
0: How do you say and names in Latin? If you made it all the way to the end, thanks for bearing with us. I actually had the right mic this time. If you want to, you can follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names, Instagram Dyson Names. Join our BGG Guild 1589. And next time... I'll try to get through all four checkpoints. Tony, one reason why I love watching all reruns of Chuck, number one, it makes me want to go to Subway. But also, you remember the episodes when they actually had one of our favorite MMOs on the shelf, City of Villains? Yes,
2: I remember that. It had the big di- the display for NCSoft. Yes, their product placement was Awesome!
0: Now one good place to be a hero.
2: Ah, just go pick up the switch and find something else. <laughs> Miniature market didn't slow down. Okay, they slowed down a little bit due to all the stuff that's going around, but they have kept the games flying in and flying out. So if you need anything, <laughs> what they did, <laughs> they're flying in. They flying. They flying out. out. They're like on wingspan. Undaunted is coming in June. So go out there, be sure to take a look. If there's a game you want, sign up for notifications at miniaturemarket.com so that you'll be told when that stock is coming in because they do. They can fly in and fly out. Those popular games, those BGG award winners, they're all there. And when they get gone, well, you got to get those notifications in. Also, be sure to sign up for their newsletters and be sure to check out their daily deals constantly changing. They've adjusted the hours. It used to be early in the morning. Now it is in the middle of the day. So everybody gets that free shot at it around noon and you don't have to be up at the crack of dawn. And if things are flying off the shelf then, that's right, those daily deals, some of those get sold out in no time. So be sure to check it out at miniaturemarket.com.